Welcome to the Midwest Film Nerds Podcast. I'm Alex. Hi, I'm Willie. And I'm Nick. And this week we're going to spend a little time talking about what we've been up to recently. We're going to discuss some film news from the past week, although it's a little light this time, even more light than usual. And then we're going to do a full film review and finally get into some food for thought provided by Willie. Mm-hmm. This week our full review is Ryan Johnson's Looper. So, I've been looking forward to Looper for quite a while. I'm excited to talk about it mm-hmm. with you guys. Oh, yeah. Um, so I guess we'll get right into what we've been watching. Who wants to go first? I will go first. Okay. I'm not sure. Um, I've been watching Once Upon a Time, the okay. first season. ABC um, show. ABC show about, uh, fairy tale characters trapped in the real world, kind of, sort of, without giving anything away. Although okay. I'm only three episodes in, so what can I really give away? But that's the basic gist of it. Written by Lost and Tron Legacy writers? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, plenty of talent on that on that starring show. Fandral, right? Starring starring uh Fand- the original Fandral, yeah. Um which is actually why he's not in Thor two because yeah. of season two. Yeah. Um also starring one of Nick's favorite ro- favorites, Robert Carlyle. Yeah. As Rumpelstiltskin. Is he really? Heck yeah he is. <laughs> Rumpelstiltskin slash Mr. Gold. Pretty awesome. Because there's two worlds. There's the non fairy tale world and then the fairy tale world. And each actor plays a similar but different character. They like mirror that. each other. Sure, yeah, exactly. It's it's that it's sounds cool. that sounds like some mild fun. It it is. It doesn't take itself overly seriously so far. It plays up the whole fairy tale thing, you know, like okay. like it kind of turns some of the fairy tales on their head a little bit and changes things up, but it knows it's, you know, it does it on purpose. Yeah. So it's that's not good. Christopher Nolan's fairy tale hour. <laughs> it is not Christopher Nolan's fairy tale hour. It's fun. It it embraces the fairy tale thing. That's cool. Um I'm only a few episodes in, but it I'm gonna keep watching. I'm not. I have no. I see no reason to quit watching it at this point. Is Plus, it on Netflix yet, season one? I don't know. I think it is. I think most ABC shows are. If not, it's definitely on Hulu Plus. Yeah, it's but, probably on Hulu for sure. Um, uh, yeah. But um, no, it's fun so far. And of course, you know Jennifer Morrison is like a new crush of mine. I think after the fighter or not the fighter. I'm sorry. Wow, Warrior. <laughs> Um, the Warrior. After Warrior, yeah. She's great on House. I, I'm a fan. I, uh, I have yes. never watched much House. That's another show that I'll, yeah. I'll, I plan Season on doing. Season one is on Netflix. So, um, yeah, worth a shot. And then I um, I picked up, like many other people, I'm sure, uh, Avengers on Blu-ray. Yeah. Um, I went to Target because they had a um, a bonus disc that has a 90-minute documentary on the 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 rest, you know, all the movies, the cinematic universe in general, and it's pretty good. I, I watched it... Um, it's uh, it doesn't go super 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 in depth on each individual movie. It kind of briefly covers the genesis of, you know, why they chose that movie next and yeah. so on and so forth. And there's some interviews with cast and crew and stuff. And it's cool. It's not it's not overly in depth, but it was a fun watch. It's a cool cool little documentary. It's and cool. It's worth it if you haven't bought it yet. I mean, you know, try Target because a the uh, any of the Blu-ray sets are only twenty dollars right now. Yeah. Including the three D Blu-ray set. Yeah. And, um, um, and, uh, yeah, no, it's good. It's, it was cool. And then finally I've been playing Resident Evil 6, okay. which I was lucky or perhaps unlucky enough to get early. <laughs> um, I'm very torn about that. I'm a huge Resident Evil game fan. I think we all know I'm not a fan of the Glad movies. Glad you threw that in there. <laughs> yeah, I'm a fan of the games. You have to do that now because the movies are so mainstream. But the anime movies are good, right? The animated ones are good, if you like the games. If you don't know anything about the games, you'll be like, what is this? What's happening? <laughs> um, but if no, you're a fan um, of the movies, what are you doing in life? Uh, something wrong. Yeah. 
Um, anyway. No, but uh, I'm I'm literally, by the end of this podcast, my goal, I, you don't worry, you won't hear about this through the course of the podcast, but in, internally I'm going to be debating whether or not I'm buying it at midnight after the podcast or okay. not. Okay. I'm so, going to I'm gonna ask you at the end to see where, if, oh, man. if you come to a conclusion. Well, don't expect we me. We could more. open up the lines to callers and see if uh, <laughs> right. any Tim Long will weigh in on this situation. <laughs> right. Only now, if we talk about Kyle XY. We, we will see. We will well, see. we're going to, right? So. Of course. It's on the docket here. So We will see. All right, Nick, what what uh, what have you been watching? Oh, I've been watching a whirlwind of stuff. Um, I marathoned season one of The Killing in like two days, uh, and I liked it. I don't know. I was briefed by you, Alex, that yeah. uh, the season one finale caused an uproar, and uh, I, I, don't, I don't know why, though. I mean, I watched it, and it was standard thriller TV show cliffhanger type stuff. I mean, I don't know if if a season, if a second season wasn't certain yet, and maybe that's why people were mad because they thought it might get canceled. No, I think they were pretty sure they were getting a second season because it was getting good ratings. My, I wonder if because the killing is based on a Danish show, I think, yeah. or Swedish. Danish. Okay, maybe season one of the Danish show was very. Maybe it was. I don't even know how many seasons there were, but maybe they got to a point. That was definite. Like maybe they wrapped up the Rosie case. I think a lot of people were expecting to find it because the big question the series is based on is who killed Rosie Larson, and I think a lot of people expected. Yeah, a lot of people were expecting to see that resolved at the end of the first season. Yeah, like maybe people were expecting season two to be a completely different case or something like that, and that it wasn't. Which I would have been okay with. I would have been totally fine with them crunching season one down to just revealing who the killer was, and because it kind of meanders around a little bit, but. Most of the characters are good enough that you don't really care. Okay. But it's weird because the two main characters you don't get a lot of development on until they both have an episode with serious development together. Uh, it's like episode nine or something. Okay. And there's only 13 episodes. So yeah. episode nine or ten. It's pretty late in the, in the season. And I wasn't even thinking about it until I got to it. And I was like, oh, wow, these two are finally getting some real development. Hmm. So that was, that was cool. And then, uh, so I finished the first season and I liked it. And I got a hold of the second season. And I am in no rush to start it for some reason. Yeah. I think I've already figured out who it is. I'm not like one of those people that tries to figure it out, but I think it's kind of obvious. Okay. And if, if I do get to it eventually, and, it, and I'm right, I'm going to be a little disappointed. But So I started Burn Notice, and I really enjoy it so far because I'm a big fan of like espionage stuff and like spy secret agent things. Yeah. I love Archer. Mm-hmm. I love, uh, you know, the old Bond stuff is fun, and I love Nick Fury, and like any, any Marvel comics that involve like the spy stuff I think is really, really cool. Um... And I, I really like it so far. I've only seen a few episodes, but uh, it it's good. The I'm, writing, the writing's funny. Uh, Jeffrey Donovan is really, really funny, talented guy, and he's officially my nominee to play Peter Quill, aka Star Lord, in the <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy movie. <laughs> I've taken down John Berthal, J- John Bernthal, and I'm putting up uh, Jeffrey Donovan, and uh, I think he'd be really awesome. But it's a, it's a good show, and I I. Uh, what about Tate Donovan, star of the OC? <laughs> also star of. Uh, Good night, good luck, yes. and uh, various other things. Also Tate Donovan can be in it too. Talented, but he's not a martial artist, I don't think. So <laughs> Jeffrey Donovan geeks him out a little bit. <laughs> um, I don't know why I went there. Someone had to. And I think that's it. Just been lots of lots TV. of TV, yeah, because TV is just killing it. I had uh, I had the new show Vegas recommended to me. Quite highly. Yeah, I don't with even... With Michael Chiklis and Dennis Quaid. Yeah, and Dennis Quaid's like a 
somebody like a detective and Michael Chiklis. He plays is, uh... a former a former rodeo cowboy who becomes a sheriff. Okay. Of, I don't know if it's a period show or not because I know that's kind of the the in thing right now. It looks almost like it might be like it takes place during the seventies or something. Yeah. Is this a prequel to Las Vegas with Josh DeHommel? <laughs> yes. Yep. That's mm-hmm. actually it's actually a prequel to both The Shield and Las Vegas. <laughs> oh wow! Because Michael Chiklis leaves the uh, <laughs> leaves the the uh, mob at the end of the series wow. and becomes Vic Mackey in The Shield. What a sweet name! I'm going to some weird places tonight, boys. Yeah. All right. My, yeah. To buy won't, Resident Evil. Won't, won't you join me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I I haven't really heard much. I heard that the um that Elementary the Sherlock ripoff by CBS is actually pretty good. Uh, it doesn't. I will never watch a frame of it. Uh, yeah, but I don't really care because I don't know. I don't care for another procedural that includes Sherlock Holmes as the character. There, just... there needs not be another version of Sherlock Holmes until well after Benedict Cumberbatch and company hang up the Spurs. Cause... Yeah. I think between the big screen version with Downey Jr. and the small screen version with Cumberbatch, I think the Sherlock Holmes thing is pretty the well is pretty dry at this point yeah. so I'm not sure why we need another I don't know but it's weird because the the Downey Sherlock is dumb Sherlock and like the Cumberbatch Sherlock is smart Sherlock like it's less actiony yeah yeah more, but I think they're I think they're different audiences too and I think it's yeah I, think I don't either know why people for... think America's clamoring for Sherlock Holmes because America's kind of stupid and why <laughs> no one wants it's a Sherlock Holmes game that came out this week for what I don't know does Watson like a video you? game no, but <laughs> that's so funny that I'll share. <laughs> no, it's the same series of games as that as the Haunting Watson, as the Haunting Watson glitch. But yeah, I don't know. It, I think they were talking about it at E3, and the first person, the first thing that they would say to people that walk in is like, "Sherlock Holmes is dead." This is the Sher- the testament of Sherlock Holmes, or something like that. And like at some point, you play a dog that's like trying to. I don't even know. I'm not. That sounds yeah. That's yeah. weird. Yeah. That- Anyway, point is Benedict Cumberbatch, Sherlock, Sherlock, Benedict Cumberbatch Sherlock Holmes is awesome. Yeah, Downey is okay. I'm not interested in Johnny Lee Miller. <laughs> I will stick with the books. Lucy Liu is Watson. Uh, no. no. Um, Just, why? I don't know, guys. Don't Johnny know. Lee Miller was pretty sweet in Mind Hunters. <laughs> and uh, Blade. Is he in Blade? And Hackers. And hackers. I'm gonna say he's in Blade. And uh, Blade Two. Season Five of Dexter. And Dark Shadows. Is he in it? I think so. He's good six. in train spotting because he's the only American in the movie. He was, I told you about that. Um, and he does, plays a convincing Scott. I told you about that Danny Boyle directed uh, Frankenstein stage play where Johnny Lee Miller and somebody, somebody interesting switched back and forth between Frankenstein and the monster every other night. It's kind of cool. He'd play the different role, so I don't know. Anyway, that's... Can it be as good as when David Bowie played the elephant man on stage? <laughs> I don't know. Didn't catch that one. <laughs> I think it was in like the 80s. <laughs> Makes sense. All right. Um, I haven't really been watching a whole lot. I've still been watching Friday Night Lights. Made it through another whole season in like less than a week. So I don't really have that kind of conviction with a lot you of shows. You have a fever. I have a fever and Friday Night Lights. Is, is the only the prescription. Only, yeah. Um, so watch Friday Night Lights. I'm kind of slowly meandering through season three of The Wire, which is good. It's quite good, but... Obviously, it hasn't like, really caught my attention. It's only 10 episodes, and I should be able to zoom through that. But for some reason, when I watch The Wire, I just can't barrel through it. It's because FNL has your soul, man. That's true. Um, and then other shows are starting up. How I Met Your Mother Season 8 started up. That show needs to end. And you love that show. I love that show. 
it's never going to be as good as season two. But you love it enough to let it go. I love it enough to That's let it go. That's the story of like every great TV show. Season two is like always. They they hit the stride. All the right jokes. They found their rhythm. And Walking Dead. It's just I don't know. Yeah, Walking <laughs> Dead. Think if, of it. <laughs> if, if season two is the good season of The Walking Dead, then I think we're ready to quit. For right some reason, now. the shows I really am interested in are always the ones where season two is the sucky season. <laughs> season two is usually yeah, where the cast kind of finds their yeah. finds their place, and it frequently results in some of the best writing because everybody gets a little bit of they get to work out the kinks in season one and then it it's pretty good like the office season two is just legendary yeah it's so good and it's legendary for how everything but else went down the first season so short too it's only like six episodes or something because it was a mid-season filler yeah show. season two season two of seinfeld was really good uh firefly had no season two so we will never know Season two of Firefly would have it's been Serenity. amazing. Probably <laughs> so, would have been good. Yeah, Ser- season Serenity. Two, season two of Arrested Development. Oh, season two of Community. Holy cow. Mind-blowingly good. I watched too much. And like like Friday Night Lights, I probably watched too much Community at one time, so I can't separate it. Into I mean, seasons. season one of Community was phenomenal, but season two is where they really started to start to have callback jokes and stuff like that, okay. and it really found its place yeah. in the world. Hey guys, what about season two of Terra Nova? That's <laughs> 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 not happening. Good one. <laughs> um, other than that, I don't know. <laughs> Castle started last week too. I, I think I'm one of the few people that watches Castle and gets like 30 times the amount of humor out of it just with Nathan Fillion's like his affectations and the way that he does things. I don't think anybody else like watches it on that find detail to see how with he's those acting. Goggles. Yeah, with the Fillion goggles just to see how, you know, he chooses to... Season 2 of Strangers with Candy. <laughs> Boom. It's true. It's flawless. But Fillion's got that cool, I mean, he's smart because he can do these cool little subtle quirky yeah. aspects to his character that maybe the average viewer might not pick up on, Yeah. but it still draws them to the character, even if you That's don't true. realize it. You know That's what I true. mean? Yeah. Like, whereas, like, some other actors like, they do quirky, but they do it so far over the top every yeah. time and it's like that gets tired after a while yeah. you know with with Philly and it's little things so it's, well, that's it's a nice true. thing too about like characters when I'm surprised like for a long time like TV actors were like looked down on as I make made fun of because those yeah. are the those are the outlets where you really get to play a character for a long time and yeah. really work out every aspect of them and in comedies like that you can eventually find the little quirks that the little tiny things a character can do and it's just an instant laugh which is more important in like the 90s with sitcoms where they had live audiences mm-hmm. but i remember seeing an interview with uh it was one of the sign on special features was one of the seinfeld dvds and they were talking to one of the actors and they said it had gotten to the point where jason alexander said all i had to do to get a laugh as george was do like a snort after saying something the audience would laugh because they knew and he said elaine had to do a little expression with her with her arms or yeah. he called it a body flip uh with like her arms and people would laugh and Kramer just had to walk in the room and people would laugh and but he, I think he said something about how Jerry never had really one of those things yeah but Jerry was like the least funny character well in his own way but it's like I can think I can see that in like every comedy I like there's little things eventually once the actor starts to know the characters well enough it's uh that's it's fun to watch them realize become self-aware kind of that's one of the funniest things in castle to me is that castle is a very well-defined character and Nathan Fillion lives in it and then not only that but two of the other detectives in the precinct that he hangs out with, their banter together is like awesome, like none other. Like there's just these little throwaway jokes between them throughout the whole series that are just amazing. So Castle's a really good show, even if you know you don't care about the whole procedural thing. I think uh, 
certainly after season one, they start pulling in some of the overarching story, and it's it's a it's a different beast. So worth checking out. Cool. Um, Is that on Netflix? If it's not on Netflix, I think all the seasons are on Hulu. I don't know. I'm not sure. It's going to be my question every episode. <laughs> Is that on Netflix? <laughs> um, all right. So I think we're going to move into some film news after the Netflix update from uh, There's Nick. film news? Yeah, the, the lack of film news. Um, first up, we've got Mark Webb has been confirmed to come back for The Amazing Spider-Man 2, which is a little strange after uh the thing about the amazing spider-man is the trailers had a lot about the quote-unquote untold story of spider-man origin and if anybody went and saw the movie uh okay here's the update castle is not on netflix okay all right checking hulu (laughs) so um if you actually sit down and watch the amazing spider-man the untold story is not a very prevalent theme it takes a little bit of a backseat as to, like, they make it seem as though, okay, we can stretch a trilogy out of this. Which was a bad choice, in my opinion, but, you know, we can get into that later. The weird thing is that because it got so chopped up, that people thought that Sony was like, hey, we don't, we don't like where you were going with this Mark Webb, so we're going to edit it out a little differently. And He more or less, the idea was that he more or less, it didn't get fired, but... He got kind of pushed out of the room. Yeah. Yeah. Which, there's been a few of these rumors going on lately. I think uh, Carl yeah. Eric Rinch got booted out of the 47 Ronin editing room, supposedly, and then it's like, oh, no, he didn't. So, I don't mm. know what's up with that trend lately. I, but I heard that Mark Webb was straight up fired from the movie. Exactly. Like, later on. So, it's Apparently really strange. Not. Really strange that he's coming back for a second one. Unless it's like... It makes me nervous, like, if his... Either if his heart isn't completely in it, or if Sony or whoever is not completely confident in him, in his I, ability. I just, it seems if like they're not going to let him on the leash. That like say <laughs> DC let Nolan on for The Dark Knight, that mm-hmm. old Batman Begins, and you know John Favreau got for Iron Man. I don't think that's it. Doesn't bode well for the series, but you know, I don't know. I mean, I don't think a lot of people rushed out to see The Amazing Spider-Man. It did well. It was like number four box office I haven't worldwide. Seen it. Willie hasn't seen nope. it. Nope. Nick and I saw it. I was... Uh, it didn't quite live up to my expectations. Well, I don't know. It it met my expectations, but it wasn't the best Spider-Man movie, which is what I wanted out of it. It didn't top Spider-Man 2 for me. But You were hoping it was going to be like a Casino Royale, Batman Begins type thing for yes, Spider-Man? Yes, exactly. Yeah. And, and and it wasn't... And not, I mean, I, I enjoyed Spider-Man 1 and 2 when they came out, but, uh, you know, Tobey Maguire wasn't my ideal casting for Peter Parker and, and, you know, little things like that. And I really liked the team behind The Amazing Spider-Man, but the pieces didn't all fit together in the end for me. But I know, Nick, you really liked it a yeah, lot. Yeah, I, I really liked it. So, I mean... I'm eagerly awaiting the Blu-ray. I, I It'll be interesting I for me to rewatch trans- it. I want to see how it uh, survives the jump from big screen to small screen. I think it might that, it might make me like it a little more, but I don't know. We'll see. Um, so There was something about... Well, if we don't have a lot of time, we don't have to get into it. And, I mean, we got time, especially since there's not a lot of news. I was just going to say, I, th- I agree. I think it was weird, because in the trailer, you definitely get that sense of they're going to get into the, the quote-unquote untold story of Peter Parker. Yeah. I think more of why he's Spider-Man, because in, in the movie, it's it's very weird how the how he gets his powers. It's different. 
and you're kind of like huh but then you kind of just go with it you're like whatever yeah and um i don't know if it was my gut tells me and i could be totally wrong that mark webb wanted a lot more of that in there and then sony was like we can we can milk this like you said for for more of a trilogy because i think and i'm okay with this but it, it is a little weird that it was in the trailers and not the movie. But I'm okay with them pulling some of that away to get into it more in a second movie. Because I think if the average person became Spider-Man, they wouldn't spend a ton of time being like, well, wait, I'm why am I Spider-Man? Powers. They would be like, holy crap, I'm Spider-Man, and like just enjoy it. And I think because he's a teenager, it kind of goes along with it. that he. I think the second movie will be kind of the, the darker one, like The Dark Knight or The Empire Strikes Back or whatever you want to call it, where he will have to deal with some of the past and like i think there's definite hints that there's like a conspiracy sort of with why he's spider-man yeah like some shady dealings with his parents yeah so i think that getting into that in the second movie i'm totally okay with because i think it leaned up the first movie a little bit but it would have been long see but i don't i don't feel like i think i've said this to you before i wish that the first movie would have leaned up on the origin a little bit because we already know and i can see that I, I would I would agree with that until I saw the movie and I loved their version that, of the origin well, so much. Well, that one scene that I know you like a lot, the the one with uh, Till Kingdom Come. Yeah, oh yeah. Is, I mean, it was kind of worth it just for that scene. But even on top of that, I just felt like there was so much fat that they could have cut with the origin. And, There's and a, then... they could have trimmed it up a little bit, but I think because it's a different. It's a pretty different Peter Parker, I think. It's a different Peter Parker. He's a lot but, angrier. But I don't think the story was. I don't. I don't think the origin was that different no. for them to. At least not in that in this movie. But I think the second one may, might make us look back at the first one and go, because there's. It's it's the moment the moment when he gets his powers is very different. Like the whole yeah. the whole thing the whole circumstance yeah. is totally different. And That's I think true. it's it's gonna be interesting. It could, the second one could either be phenomenal or just like a piece of junk. I think it's. It's either going to blow up in their face because of Mark Webb, or it's going to be sweet because of Mark Webb. So I think a lot is hinging on that. Yeah. So, whatever. All right. Um, next up, we got more news of a comic book Godfather for the big screen in the in the lines of Joss Whedon for the next few Marvel movies and Christopher Nolan for some of the DC movies. Mark Millar is overseeing 20, 20th Century Fox's Marvel movies, and that includes... The Wolverine, which is mostly... That's kind of all set in stone at this point, so he's not going to have a lot to do with there. Um, X-Men Days of Future Past and the Fantastic Four reboot with Josh Trank of Chronicles set to direct. So this is another trend that we're seeing a lot. Somebody... <laughs> Willie's got a very... <laughs> well, no, I mean... I mean, <laughs> Look, I... I know why a lot of people don't like Mark Millar. Yeah. And I understand it. I like most. We of should we should say Mark Millar is pretty big in the com- like he's Mark Millar is very the, big in the comics industry as yeah. a writer. He wrote uh, Civil War, which is one of the big Marvel crossovers. I mean, he wrote the Ultimates. Yeah. He he's written a lot of very very important stuff in the last ten years. Yeah. Mostly for Marvel. Yeah. He has a lot of creator owned stuff too, like Kickass actually yep. is his. But anyway, um, but he's very political. He's very outspoken. He's yeah. similar to Frank Miller, not quite as crazy as Frank Miller, okay. but still. And he likes to put a lot of that in his books. Um, Ultimates is full of of oh, yeah. political commentary. Yeah. But my thing isn't like anger about Millar or uh, whatever. Millar, that's fine. You're, you're I, just I think, unhappy <clears throat> that these movies aren't back in Marvel's hands. No, no, no. I, I, I mean, I am, but, yeah. but I just don't understand why they need somebody to oversee 
two franchises that aren't going to be related or linked in any way, shape, or form. Well, that's the thing, is that now that the Avengers exists, they are probably like, oh, but let's does anybody... get the Wolverine to meet up with X-Men Days of Future Past, and then let's have the Fantastic Four show up, because this clearly means a lot of money for us. A Fantastic Four yeah. X-Men team-up movie? That's weird. Not that's on weird. my list of wants. No, that's not... I mean, it's on my it's, list of not wants. It's, it's not something <laughs> that was ever noted notable in the comic books. It's not like the X-Men and the Fantastic Four had that... I don't know, whatever. I mean, well, Regardless, X-Men, X-Men, in comic book-wise, X-Men were kind of... They're New York-based, right? Not city, but New yeah, York-based. Yeah, well, they kind of stick York, to their yeah. own thing, though. For the most part. But there are moments, especially even in Astonishing X-Men, you do get some Fantastic Four cameos. Sure. So it's not like it's unprecedented, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I don't think it serves it's a good a purpose. It's a weird fit. Yeah. I don't... X Men are better on their own because they're their Let's own. Put it this way. They're their own race. I, I I don't see Millar having nearly as much involvement as Whedon or Nolan have. He may have as much involvement. It may not be a good thing for those movies. We'll see. I don't know how much knowledge Millar has of the of the film industry. That's true. Anyway, I mean, he might do a Frank Miller where he's like, "Oh, you know, I made Kick-Ass," or you know, "I made 300 for Frank Miller." Dude directed exactly. The Spirit. Like, there is a reason why you're a comic book writer, not a director. Maybe we'll have another director exit the Fantastic Four franchise, and Mark Millar will be like, "All right, it's my time to shine." Wouldn't want to see that. That's what I'm Sorry. more disappointed about: is Fantastic Four not going back to Marvel? So I've been reading a lot of it awesome happen, Fantastic but... Four lately, and the potential is huge. For we'll awesome see. stories, there's, there's a lot of room for the Fantastic Four reboot to we'll fall see. through the floor, just happen. like Daredevil did. It could easily happen, and then and then Millar is overseeing the X Men franchise, which is fine. I mean, he's done X Men before X Men related stuff, so yeah. I don't know. I don't hate Millar. I mean, I know Nick's not a huge fan, but in general, but I, I mean, Ultimates. I think he's just kind of a dickhead. <laughs> well, <laughs> he is. Life. He is. I mean, he is. But a lot of the a lot of the legendary comic book writers are. You know, I mean, yeah. I think part of it is that they don't have a voice for so long, and then all of a sudden they become big in this, you know, this niche industry, and they're like, hey, listen to what I have to say. Well, and you brought up something a little, like, a few days ago um, with the Avengers and, and Cap's line about there's only one god ma'am and he doesn't dress like that or something like that, mm-hmm. and and how that was like weed in realizing that even though he's an atheist, he doesn't need to put his views into the characters that he he's writing. He mentions that in the commentary. He's like, my friends were shocked. that They were like, really? That's the line you wrote in there? And he's like, well, yeah, Steve Rogers isn't an atheist, just because yeah. I am. And I feel like Millar, I mean, not that he's writing these movies, but Millar sometimes has a, hard t- has a hard time detaching his personal beliefs and his personal views on whatever yeah. from his comics. Well, especially after X-Men First Class, I think X-Men Days of Future Past has... Oh, a precise point in history where he would want to try and comment. We'll see. But we will see. That's a lot of speculation. I suppose in all, this is more of like a why are they even bothering? But it is a weird move. That's the way I feel. I just don't. I don't know how that relationship even. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't and once again, it. Brian Singer gets passed over. <laughs> yeah. Poor Brian Singer, who did nothing, nothing wrong for the X Men series even except Matthew, to leave it. Even Matthew Vaughn would have been great for somebody to oversee it. I just don't understand yeah. why Millar seems so out of left field to me. I think Ma- Matthew Vaughn would probably be like, Meh. I'll direct it, but I don't think he would necessarily want to have that much. Who knows? Yeah. I don't know. All right, and then lastly, this is something we touched on in our episode on uh, last week for the Master, but uh, 
the Dawn of the Planet of the Apes director being up in the air. That has been decided already, and Matt Reeves has been confirmed to direct Dawn of the Planet of the Apes after Rupert Wyatt exited. That's good. So you guys are pretty happy good about that. That was that was we we talked about this last time, right? Yeah. Yeah. Matt I just Reeves wanted is my to number one. Go my number confirm. one. Yeah. I. It'll be interesting. I I. I was very sad about about uh, Wyatt leaving, but yeah, maybe there being a different director, much like Marvel has realized with their movies, maybe there maybe there being a different director will actually be interesting in helping to take the movie in a different direction. I'm I'm fully okay with it because I I w- I used to be of the belief that you should have the same director as long as possible on a specific franchise, but I don't I don't think I believe that anymore because now that I'm looking at a lot of this stuff. It seems like every time a director gets to the third installment or so, I mean, not everybody, but their creative like well on that topic dries it's up. It's kind of dried up, and I I completely understand that. Like, I mean, how many times do you want to work on the same thing? And in a lot of cases, these are these are situations where they're working on things that aren't theirs anyway. Yeah, you know, like Much look like at Raimi on Spider-Man or Whedon. You know. Whedon was like, you know, I didn't know if I wanted to do Avengers two because I spent so much time working with these characters that aren't mine. Sure, and I completely so. understand that because it's, I mean, uh, yeah, and I totally get it. I, I mean, I, I think it's smart to, I mean, if Wyatt could have come back, I think we could have gotten another solid movie out of him for sure. I mean, yeah. I, I don't see any reason to not believe that, but Matt Reeves is a competent director. I liked Cloverfield a lot, you know, I'm totally down. We shall see. So. Any any thoughts, Nick? No, I think it's cool. That's okay. about it. We'll see how it You're goes. You disappointed that he's off the non-anthology uh, Twilight Zone movie? No, I mean that would have been interesting, but eh, I don't even know about Twilight. that movie in the first place. I mean Twilight Zone. I, this will sound. Never mind. What I was going to say was totally ridiculous. So <laughs> cancel that. <laughs> okay. No, I think I mean the Matt Reeves is I think pretty talented guy, and uh, I think it could be cool. I'm curious to see because I mean Rupert Wyatt came out of like nowhere. Yeah, he didn't really do much. So I'm I'm almost more intrigued to see what he'll do instead. Okay, I'm like, so, I agree. Yeah, we'll I hope he does something original. You know, something that's his own that he can. I'm curious to see because the, be cool. the ideas he had to really reshape and reinvigorate the Planet of the Apes franchise, which I'm I don't think I'm the only one in saying that I had little to no interest in it at that point. Yeah, not not even because of the Tim Burton movie, just because I think at that point I was like, it's done, it's, like, it's yeah. over. We've had six movies or yep. so. But no, the fact that he could reinvigorate, maybe not a dead franchise, but a a dormant franchise um, like that tells me that I can only imagine how enthusiastic he'd be to get his own idea off yeah. the ground. And I'm sure a guy like that's got some sort of passion project laying around. Oh, yeah. You know. We need more more talented, like, up-and-coming directors making original stuff. Like, Neil, N- Blomkamp, Neil Blomkamp, I think, is going to be... Elysium's supposed to be amazing. People will always want to know what he's up to. Yeah. District Absolutely. 9 just came out of nowhere and blew, blew my mind. Well, it, and to think that almost was a Halo movie. I that mean, I would have been down for a Halo movie he directed too because his little spec short movie was... Yeah. Have you ever seen it? No. It's awesome. It's very cool. I heard it's it was awesome. really cool. It's very cool. Yeah, well, we'll see. Maybe maybe Rupert Wyatt's next uh, movie will... Maybe he'll take over Fantastic Four. <laughs> maybe. When it goes back to Marvel. <laughs> we'll please, see. Please. Yes, please. Sweet baby Jesus, please. Alrighty, so I think we can move into our full review, because that's all we got for news this week. Um, 
Our full review is the movie Looper, directed by Ryan Johnson and starring Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Bruce Willis, Emily Blunt, and a bunch of other people. Um, Paul Dano, for one. Uh, IMDb, or no, the official synopsis for the movie is, in the, in the futuristic action thriller Looper, time travel will be invented, but it will be illegal and only available on the black market. When the mob wants to get rid of someone, they send their target 30 years into the past where a Looper, or a hired gun like Joe, played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt, is waiting to mop up. Um, Joe is getting rich and life is getting good until the day the mob decides to quote-unquote close the loop, sending, Joe, sending back Joe's future self, played by Bruce Willis, for assassination. So, um, Ryan Johnson directed uh, Brick and Brothers Bloom, both of which received uh, quiet, critical acclaim. Uh, I think a lot of people really liked where he was coming from and what those movies kind of were. It, Brick is kind of like this weird high school noir movie. Super awesome. Yeah, it's cool, but it's like... It, it, it has no genre. Yeah, it's very strange. Yeah. And then The Brothers <laughs> Bloom is like... Um, it's kind of like a con movie, but kind of not. I mean, it's about con artists, but it's... It has no genre. <laughs> okay, I see what you're trying to say. Um, But, so, anyway. Looper, kind of touted as a science fiction movie. We'll we'll get into that more. What what did you guys... What were some general thoughts about Looper? Um, I liked Looper. I did. Yeah? Um, to be more specific than I liked it, um, I really liked the first third. Okay. Didn't like the second third as much. Right. Um, there's a environmental shift, a geographical shift as to where the action in the movie takes place, um, which we'll get into in spoilers, but um, I was much more interested in the elements set up in the first part than I was in the ones set up in the second portion yeah. of the movie. And then I, I, by the end, I started. I, I felt good about it again. So I, re- I enjoyed the movie. It's not... There's a lot of weird fundamental issues with the story um, in the sense of a lot of things don't make sense logically why well we we should we should say uh, I don't know if I want to say that for spoilers or not but um, I mean the synopsis of the movie brings up time travel absolutely and, and and when you're dealing with time travel you're dealing with a very tricky beast because you've got the whole especially when you're have past selves, meaning future selves, and I don't think that's a big spoiler, because at some point... That's... That's the major focal point of the movie. So you, you're dealing with, with, a, with a topic that has been done in comics, movies, video games, everything. Different ways, different many ways, different times. There's so many different variations on what the rules are of time travel, what you can do, what you can't do. I think this sets up the rules pretty decent. I, I think it does a good job of keeping it simple, not overly... Well, that's, that's one of the things, and... and I'll bring it up con-wise when it comes around sure, to me. Sure, sure. But it, it doesn't overcomplicate things. Yes. Which is really kind of nice, because if when you're dealing with a two-hour-long movie, you don't want to be sitting there scratching your head the entire time yeah. trying to wrap your head around what this time travel, what the rules are. That's true. So that's good. Um, but there are certain elements, um, and I'd probably have to wait until spoilers to get into them, but okay. there are certain elements... Uh, character decisions, decisions made by characters, and just the basic idea of what a looper does and how a looper, how the contract works. Okay. That don't quite make sense to me. Okay. Um, and we'll get into that later. That being said, I did enjoy it. I've heard a lot of comparisons to Blade Runner being made, and I 
in the first third of this movie, I get that. Because there's a very... It's got a very similar vibe. It's not quite as rainy or dark or steamy. Yeah. But it's it's that nasty... Steamy. Steamy. <laughs> yeah. Paul Sweat. Verhoeven, baby. <laughs> um, uh, but it's it's got that similar vibe of the, you know, the rich and the poor. Mm-hmm. And then you've got... Essentially, you've got a guy running around in a leather coat that has to take out certain certain uh, hits, you yeah. know? So I I could see where the comparisons are drawn. Yeah. That being said, it's, I mean, not nearly as good as Blade Runner. But <laughs> okay. Whatever. No, no way. I wasn't expecting it to be, so yeah. I enjoyed it. All right, Nick. Um, Let me quote your Facebook status. One third of Looper was a good movie. Was awesome. It was awesome. Okay. And I'm pretty sure. There's a big difference. I, I, a big difference. I knew exactly what third you liked. Oh, me too. At the end of that movie. The first. Yeah. Because I, I, I almost felt as exactly soon as the we same. got into the second third, I was like, okay, I know which part well, Nick liked. I wanted, I wanted to love the movie so bad. Like I, going into it, I was like, I want this to breach like my top ten movies of all time because I love time travel. I said that on the and, last episode. And we should and, say, we should say you were partly angry as well because you want to make your time travel magnum opus, which. Oh, in yeah. your opinion, you can now, now still do. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love I love time travel. I love the complexities of it. I like when people try to play it simple, like when I watched Time Crimes a while ago yeah. recently. It's so simple. They never even bothered to address... Nobody in the movie is like, wait, how is this working? They're just like, it's working, deal with it. Like yep. It just it goes, and it's awesome. But uh, that said, I I did like it. I the more I thought about my initial gut reaction was kind of like uh, one of disappointment, and the more yeah. I've kind of mulled it over and thought about the whole movie from start to finish, I I I'm I've made peace with a lot of things I had problems with, or I've actually embraced it and like it. So I think I need That's to good. see it again. It's one of those movies where I had high expectations, but for no reason. Like I I yeah. didn't even watch the trailer. Like you and I both went to see uh, something, and we both covered our eyes for the trailer. Yep. And we're like yeah. la 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 in the theater because yep. oh, when we saw all this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Have you seen uh, his previous movies? I've seen Brick, Which, and I was lukewarm on Brick. So it's not like you were like, oh my god, Ron Johnson. Yeah, no, I thought, I, I, I saw the, the potential, Armager. like the talent, the originality Armager. I thought was cool. I've heard Brothers Bloom is like Brothers Bloom awesome. is really good. Yeah. So I was I was excited for it, um, and I think the first third really delivered. And I, it set up all these cool. There were all these cool original moments, which we'll get into in the in the spoilers, I think. And there were all these just totally cool, slick vibe and. It was just very, very just cool. I can't. Yeah. The word "cool" is kind of lame. And <laughs> no, no, but it's but, very, but no, it's it's in the traditional term of cool. cool it was cool. Yeah. yeah, like those guys are riding around in a in the middle of the city in their sick car with the convertible top back, and they're shooting fake guns in the air. Yeah. Not even just that. Just it, 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 the, the whole, whole thing, thing was felt cool. cool. Yeah, it's, it did. It's it did. got a very slick sheen over the yeah. top of it. And then the second act and on is it's not bad. Like I like you mentioned, I didn't mind. I didn't mind the geographical shift. I was okay with that, but. The movie lost. It, it seemed like it started to have a hard time figuring out what it wanted to be. Like it, it was like, do I want to be this moral fable? Do I want to be this cool time travel? Whatever. Do I want to be? And and it, and it broke like the one major rule of time travel movies is that like you can't have characters meet themselves because essentially well, that space time continuum should suck up like a black hole and implode. That's kind of a different 
that's one of the things that falls under different disciplines. Like, yeah, and Back to the Future, Doc is like, if you meet each other, you will catastrophically change the well, future. And it is which as much is sense, kind of something that happens, but we can get into that. Well, as much way. sense as time, as much sense as time travel doesn't make in general. Like the one rule that I think everybody can be like, yeah, I can see why that would be a problem would be meeting yourself from thirty years ago or thirty years in the future because. And Joseph Gordon-Levitt says it in the movie. It's not really spoilery, but he says to Bruce Willis, he's like, so anything you did, I can just not do that. Now that I know what you did or what you've experienced, I can do something else. But I think that's part of what makes it so interesting. Exactly. Well, I think I, think, I, do I think, think if it, they went with the whole, like, you can't meet your friend or, or your friend, you can't meet yourself or you'll just it explode. Does, it does make know? it interesting. And, I, and I'll definitely say it's the number one thing I want to talk about in the spoiler section is okay. the whole chicken or egg thing. Because there's there was one mm-hmm. problem I just kept in my head. It was just running around like a dog chasing yeah. its tail. I was like, yeah. Oh, uh. yeah. But I, because I think about other time travel movies and, like, they usually are very disciplined about making sure those characters don't meet themselves Mm -hmm. which i think is i think it's cooler because i like watching a character have the discipline to be like to watch themselves and be like i can't interfere with this like like time crimes it's perfect yeah it's like the it's like bird the perfect time travel movie it's so cool time crimes is really awesome. everybody it's on netflix and it's called time crimes it's it's sweet the director's name is nacho yeah nacho vigilando it's a a spanish movie and it's really 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 cool and it's not that long it's like 93 minutes really cool uh so my general thoughts on looper i liked it i do want to see it again i don't know if i need to see it in the theater necessarily okay it had a couple moments that kind of benefited from the big screen but overall not really I think it, it, I'd be totally fine watching it on Blu-ray, but I uh, I am anxious to see it again and really um, give it a fair assessment. As of right now, it's, I don't know, we'll do numbers at the end, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, so uh, I really liked the movie a lot. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, I remember talking with you, Nick, about when you first saw some of the images and things, you were like, why are they putting that makeup on Joseph Gordon-Levitt? I still have that question, actually. In that that (laughs) first third of the movie, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's Bruce Willis impersonation is amazing. It's And it's because it's all at nighttime and it's all dark. Well, maybe something, but no, like even when when he's in the, the diner, just like little things that he it's, does. Yeah, when you're looking when you're looking at him from the side in any way or the lighting isn't like full exposure like daylight, it looks good. But as soon there's one shot in the movie they use it twice too. Where I was looking at his face and I'm like he looks like he's wearing clown makeup. It was the worst makeup. I had less problem with it here than I did when I watched the first trailer that one time. Can I There were just a couple shots in the movie where I was like that looks so bad. And they were usually in the broad daylight okay can i just say one thing that bugged me about it what i actually it didn't bug me like it did for you nick but there was one thing it didn't bother me the whole movie it's just it totally took me out of the movie though a couple times i was like oh there's one shot i'm we'll talk about it later but this sounds really stupid but joseph gordon levitt has the earlobes that like don't actually come down a lobe they go into the side of your head yeah Yeah. and bruce willis has like the earlobes that come down to a lobe and it really bugged me looper is ruined (laughs) i I don't know why it really bugged me it was so stupid and even in the theater i'm like I don't think I want to say anything about that, but maybe, it, it maybe his earlobes got bigger See, over time. What was more interesting to me though was not how they made Joseph Gordon-Levitt look like Bruce Willis, but how they made Joseph Gordon-Levitt look not like Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Like he didn't necessarily look like Bruce Willis. 
he had features in common, but overall, I was just like, he just looks like a different dude now. It's weird. I think the makeup combined with his performance yeah, was his, very, his, very uh, cool. His squinty eyes and arched eyebrows. And the way that really he would good. speak sometimes, too, was just spot on. And he kind of lost it later in the movie. It kind of a little away bit. a little. And well, I think it's because you have him sitting next to actual Bruce Willis, and you're just like, oh, well, of course Bruce Willis is better at being Bruce Willis <laughs> than somebody else's. Would that be but see, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, I wasn't so sure. <laughs> If it was going to be that way. Yeah, I mean, the, the, all the scenes in the club early on where he's talking to everybody and when he's talking to Jeff Daniels, which Jeff Daniels is in the movie and it's awesome. Yeah. Uh, he's got a he's got a Jeff Bridges beard. It's really good. Yep. Um, when they were talking, I was like, this. it's kind of like watching Bruce Willis in Die Hard. It's really awesome. Yeah. But Yeah, it was. Then his, it was the nose that was really good. Like He yeah. kind of flattened his nose out a little bit. And, uh, but even was, the way he really curled good. his lip and stuff when he was talking yeah. was totally Bruce Willis. Yeah. Really creepy. It was, it was very cool to watch. But... Uh, uh, I the score. I don't think there were particular moments that really struck me, but I thought the score was really cool. It fit the movie. There were one or yeah. two moments where I was like, "Ooh, this is sweet." When, anytime they had synth, yeah, you know, I'm a sucker for synth. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, oh, yeah, you know. And that was done by the director's brother, Nate Johnson. But um, other than that, I didn't really have a ton of pros to list off. And then con wise, I, I there were a few moments, particularly with the speeder bike. That didn't look so great. That didn't look good effect wise. Mm-hmm. No. That that made me unhappy. And then the other thing that we've kind of brought up, I was okay with them saying, okay, time travel's happening. Accept that fact. What I wasn't okay with is them basically being like, anytime the characters bring up time travel, they're just like, that's dumb. Don't even think about it. There's no reason to think about it. Okay. Like they shrug off the concepts of time traveler. They're literally time traveler. in the script, which bothered me and i don't really know exactly why but Hmm. it was basically just like you know we'll get into it in spoilers but it's just like it was so ham-fisted that i was like that really turned me off like him basically being a little butthurt while he's writing the line in the script like people are gonna complain about time this is what it's gonna be exactly exactly stupid so i mean and uh, yeah i get that I'm, i'm okay with taking the emphasis off of the rules of time travel so to speak but i'm not okay with you basically just beating me over the head with the fact that i shouldn't be worrying about it yeah it's okay. nice when the question just doesn't even come up people exactly. just go with it so Fair that enough. that that was you know and we'll get into that a little more in the spoilers but i mean i you know i just i really enjoyed the movie and it's interesting because it kind of uses science fiction more as like a backdrop than it does like like is particularly in the second two third the second thirds of the movie, the first third obviously is like okay time travel's happening, you know we're in the future there's crazy drugs that you drop into your eye and all kinds of weird stuff like that, but it's not so much that it's like I mean, Blade Runner's a science fiction movie because mm-hmm. he's hunting down androids. Yeah, yeah, and it's in a futuristic setting and whatnot. Star Wars is is a is a science fiction movie because it. You know, it takes place in space, and it's not like it takes place in the future. Sure. It takes place in space, and in the past. In the past, and and it's like you know, crazy technology that we've never seen. And creatures and all that. The only thing in Looper, the only two things in Looper that are really like insane are the time travel and the speeder bike, and both of those are particularly absent from the second third of the movie. And uh, the telekinesis. Okay, but. That's pretty important. <laughs> it's important later on, but even in that second third of the movie, it just kind of completely forgets about it. And in the first movie, in the first third, it's just kind of like, oh, here's this thing. It's like Pavlov's gun or whatever. It's like, hey, telekinesis. But, you know, <laughs> we'll get into that in spoilers. But 
it's just it's a I don't know it's it's very weird in the sense that I feel like it that's why you don't like the second third is that it it kind of abandons the science fiction and it abandons the 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 time travel and kind of makes it very plainly about these people in the situation which is cool but it really loses it feels very different it's very tonally different than the but other forward, parts of the forward movie. momentum we can't say what it wants to be yeah the forward momentum of everything that happens to Levitt's character in the first third and and the push to get him kind of on the run in a sense yeah comes to a screeching halt the moment he enters that second and a lot of the things established about his character and his relationships all just kind of get thrown out the window. Like, just kidding. That's really not that important anyway. Yeah. And then it, it, I don't know, it's just weird. It's like he wrote the first third of the script and then took a huge hiatus, went on like a giant hike in the mountains, took a ton of peyote, and then came back and wrote the rest of it. <laughs> it's just really, it's really different, which the, the, the setting of the second bit or the the, the last two-thirds of the movie... It's cool because it kind of makes sense within the the time period because it's in the future, but it's the relatively near future. Yeah. So the whole world hasn't necessarily become incredibly urbanized, and yeah. there there are arguments to be made for why it's okay, but it's just kind of strange. That's why I think upon a second viewing, almost everybody will probably like it a little more. Probably because they'll yeah. they'll they'll be like, okay, I know what's what's coming. Cool. Plus, I know they said it. I just read some stuff on IMDb after, like, because I didn't watch a single trailer for it, I didn't watch anything, and a lot of people said that the the setting and all the plot stuff, pretty much everything from the second two-thirds of the movie was absent, absent from, from the, the trailer. trailers, which Ryan That's... Johnson, I guess, was pumped about, but it wasn't his decision. I guess he said the studio just did that, and he thought it was cool. Yeah, and I mean, that's that's one of the things that I was going to bring up, is that I did watch the first trailer of the mo- of, for this movie, as before I decided to break up with trailers, and I think... Being completely fresh would have been even better because I was expecting this movie to be all about Joseph Gordon-Levitt hunting down his future self, and that's not what it's about at all. Mm-mm. Especially after the second, or after that first third, and it's very interesting. And there were even a few moments during the movie when I really fully realized that. Like, we'll get into it in spoilers, but there's a little montage in the middle of the movie. Mm-hmm. That I was like, I didn't even think that this movie was gonna like touch on that, which was very interesting to me. But once again, we'll talk about that in spoilers. Yeah, let's do yeah, it. Yeah, we need to do spoilers. Spoiler time. Yeah. All right, so we're gonna take a quick break. Uh, so you got the music to turn off your iPod or whatever right now, but make sure that you come back in about 20 minutes and listen to some food for thought. So we'll be right back. And we're back. Spoiler territory for Looper. So. Let's talk about Looper. Let's talk about Looper. Let's close the loop on Looper. Yeah, let's close the loop. I I love that. (laughs) I love that. I think that's awesome, though. Like, the idea of closing the loop. Forgetting all the logistics behind it, it's such a, it's like a perfect term, and it's like I don't know. I yeah, it, a lot. it sounds great, but the execution is like, wh- how does that close the loop? Like, because you don't disappear too. Like, it 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 almost implies like it would be getting rid of you on both ends of the of the spectrum. Like, it sounds so final, and really all it is is you. Well, well it's, and, it's really eliminating your contract. Is all, and it is. that's it's, that's the thing is that you. Uh, 
one of the things of being a looper is that you need to understand that there's going to come a point where you are going to have to kill your future self and live out 30 years of whatever with the spoil spoiling of riches that you get for, for killing closing yourself. the loop for being a looper mm-hmm. yeah it's like a like a severance package basically it's and like, hey, mean, just so you know, you got 30 years to enjoy this retirement, but in 30 years, we're going to find you and I guess we're going I also to kill you. Don't see, Actually, you're going to kill yourself. But. I don't see the purpose of it. Like, for, for the for the mechanics of the movie, it's like, okay, there's this there's this crime boss called the Rainmaker who has a vendetta against loopers, so he's closing all the loops. Okay. But why did closing the loop even exist in the first place? Because it completely ties up any loose ends in the future. So like, when you get like if 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 there was uh, say um if after 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 years and years of killing people for yeah. the mob they want to make sure that they don't have any loose ends and that means their own people as well. So once these guys get too old to be loopers anymore, they're kind of useless and any of the information they have is possibly detrimental to the mob. So they say get rid of them. Now, I'm not saying it's the best way to handle the situation. I'm just saying that's the concept. Like is if, that if, if Joe woke up, if Bruce Willis woke up someday and he was like, I'm going to call up the Today Show and expose this whole looper thing that's going on. I guess I just don't understand at which point they decide it's okay to close the loop. Well, I think that... Like, that the, the idea is that you're a looper until you're like 55 years old and then like, nope. I think you could be a looper till whenever. It's just the fact that the Rainmaker wanted to kill them yes. all that it happened when they were so young. I guess I just, the mechanic, it seems like kind of a plot device just for the advancement of the plot. I don't understand the the practicality of it. I Why understand. send them back in time? I mean, I guess because that's how you have to kill people. You can't kill people anymore. Well, that yeah, exactly. If you want to kill your own people, you have to send them back in time. The way that Ryan Johnson explained it. But why it, send them back to themselves why not send them to someone else that's that's that was one of the things i was i was talking about earlier was some of the decisions made by the characters or in this case the the organization that doesn't make a lot of sense to me i don't understand why it has to be you that kills you you know what okay let me ryan johnson did an interview with the people at slash film and i'm gonna pull it up as opposed to that seems to me more of a a way to get the plot moving forward than an actual uh, rule that makes sense, you know. Wouldn't yeah, it be much easier rule. to have uh, Paul Dano kill? You know right. what I'm saying? Because there'd be no. Well, but here's the thing. He'd show up later at the here's... bar and be like, "Dude, I shot you earlier." Here's the thing: Whoa. is that these are these are these are problems that shouldn't have risen. Like the only reason that Paul Dano's character knows that he's about to kill himself is because he's singing a song that his mom used to sing. Well, no, to him. sure, I get that, but but the thing is, so, uh, couldn't they avoid those problems altogether by having somebody else kill Paul Dano's old version? That's true. Just and why bother taking I forget, a chance? I guess exactly. It seems so risky. That's that's true, and I mean, and it wouldn't have happened with Joe's character if Bruce Willis didn't come with the thing. Uh, he sure. like sees it, and he's like, "That's me," and there's a problem. Obviously, if you send that person back to one of the different loopers then it would eliminate that problem but let me let me pull this up here and we'll we'll talk about Ryan Johnson's actual explanation as to why um okay so they ask why is it essential essential for a looper to close his own loop and then they say this is another one of those questions that Johnson had answered in his head but didn't put in the movie and they said that he conceived a scene in which they could explain it, um, but they didn't shot. They didn't shoot it. 
He said, people in the future, all they know about time travel is to be afraid of it. So they're trying to keep it as tight as possible. The initial reason that they set it up this way was to keep the, ca the causality loop as tight as possible. Johnson said, because, for example, if someone kills your older self and you have to exist with your own murderer for 30 years, what's stopping you from murdering them or doing something to screw everything else up? Okay, that makes sense. I get that. Because if they send you back to someone else, it's kind of this weird, like, connect, the, like, if you think of it... Yeah, if, 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 if they sent you right now to kill future me, let's say you killed future me, I know you never would, buddy, but let's say you did, <laughs> and I found out that you killed future me, what's to stop me from killing you currently to prevent my future death? I see. So by being the one who pulls the trigger, you can't What are you going to do to stop else? it? Yeah. You know. So I, I get that. Okay, that that actually makes sense. So there's no vendettas or anything. I think that would have been nice for them to maybe have mentioned something along those lines in the. But the thing is, the thing that's weird over. is that you never have to know though. Like if if if, if like Paul Dano got if old Joe gets sent to Paul Dano and he shoots him, he doesn't have to know that that's him. He doesn't have to know, but and he doesn't once even again, have to tell Joe. This is one of those tying tying it all up so that it doesn't even need to be worried about. Like, yes. If somebody else killed them, then they wouldn't have to worry about the fact that you wouldn't have to kill yourself. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, if somebody else killed them, or if if you just kill yourself, which should have gone right 99% of the time, then they don't have to worry about like it weighing on your soul that you just killed your friend instead of you killing it. If you kill yourself, like the thing of being a looper is that now you have 30 years to party with all the gold that they just paid you. However, you kill your friend, that's something that will completely... Like, obviously, it'll weigh on you either way. Yeah, I guess I just think it's... I think it's cool. It's a cool concept to, like, toy with the idea of... If you were looking yourself in the eye, would you be able to pull the trigger? I think that that's awesome. But the whole mechanic of loopers closing their own loop, I just think it's kind of stupid. Like, it doesn't... I can't think of any really strong reason for why doing it. Like, what does the mob care about your your feelings like oh so you, it's part of being a looper you're gonna get killed you don't need to worry about who kills you well it's not it's not even they, honestly they never even needed to tell the loopers that they were sending themselves back like the closing that's the loop true. never needed to be an issue that's true but i mean, knows, it, I mean it at some point at some, at some point somebody might have discovered that they were killing themselves and maybe they had to explain yeah and that's when they were like obviously we need to be including this big payday with it because if you're going to kill your future self then that's a big like it's it's I think there's more there's probably more history to the the profession of looping than we see yeah. in the movie. Which It's also weird that they're all like young. They're all like kids. And like obviously they're young, stupid people like Paul Dano and uh the other kid, Noah Segan's character, yeah. who's just a blithering idiot the whole movie. <laughs> well, I mean I think they pull him out of the uh out of the nasty dregs of society like we see that little kid walking across the street with his teddy bear or something remember they almost hit him yeah. yeah i mean that's the kind of kid they're looking for because they're looking for somebody who has no ties whatsoever mm -hmm. they can easily mold into what they want they can promise them riches at the end of their career 30 years of of high living at yeah. least as long as they just follow, follow the, rules. the rules yeah and that makes sense um one thing i wanted to mention um the paul dano character when his the old version of Paul, let's say old Paul Dano, yeah. is trying to get yeah. to where he needs I to go. I knew you were going to love that. It is a horrifying scene <laughs> in the best way possible because I'm like... 
the whole time I was watching that. I think I was the first one of all of us to see it. I saw it Friday yep. night, yep. and I was thinking the whole time I was like, I cannot wait for Willie to see this scene because <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, okay, something horrible is happening to his current self because his nose is gone and he's got this scar and this bone. losing fingers. And I'm like, okay, something's up here, but you can't really place exactly what's going on. You're like, okay, is he fading out? Is he dying? So like, he's actually disappearing. I was like, that's a strange way to make him disappear. <laughs> And then he opens that door, and you see—you don't even see Dano. You just see what's left of Dano on the table, like. Yeah. <laughs> and the fact that they actually probably kept him alive after that is even more horrifying. Yeah. Because they can't afford for him to die. Yeah. Because it throws—they want to avoid any sort of time, you know, flux in fluxes in time or whatever. Yeah. Pretty horrifying. Love that scene. Yeah. That really, really, really good. creepy and intense. Um. Oh, it's all in the first third of the movie, man. <laughs> it was so good. Um. Another thing I wanted to. This is this is partially I will I will take full responsibility for this but kind of going into the movie I I sort of expected it not to be a buddy film by any means but I kind of expected the film to be along the lines of Gordon Levitt you know end of the first act Gordon Levitt realizes it's him he gets away second act he's trying to hunt him down maybe the third act they wind up teaming it's them up trying to take down and 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 after watching the movie I'm not angry that that didn't happen because obviously it was less predictable, but I am a little angry it didn't happen because there was so much potential for those two being together, and you see a lot of that potential in the diner scene when they're sitting down and having a yeah. meal together. I love the I love the idea of meeting your older self because you you see how much Bruce Willis, old Joe, I'll call him, yeah, like detests young Joe, yeah, because of He's such a completely different person. He thinks he's being person. so selfish. Because he knows. He well, knows. Well, he knows, but then even on top of that, he's being selfish again. Yeah, exactly. And I think it would have been very interesting for... I almost wanted to see more of old Joe's future, because you don't really get much of a glimpse of it. I wanted to see what that was all about. I almost wanted to get a glimpse at the, the Rainmaker, even. Yeah. Because I feel like there could have been a wealth of interesting avenues you could take it if perhaps he took... Young Joe, back for some yeah, reason to the back future. To the future. Why not? Right. <laughs> but no, I think that could have been more interesting, and I, I think that, I think that the, the, the telekinesis thing, was such a, such a blink and you'll miss it moment. Like well, the mention of it in the yeah. beginning, and then it becomes so crucial towards well, the end. That's like I was saying with uh, Chekhov's gun. It's, it becomes. Have you like guys heard huge, of that phrase before? Uh, I have not. Okay, let me let me pull up a Wikipedia article. Check off from Star Trek. I don't know if it's specifically <laughs> referring to check. It, it refers to somebody like that. It's I the, think it's, it's in a the play. idea in film that if you're going to introduce a gun in the first act, someone's going to shoot someone with it in the third act. Yes, and that's the telekinesis in this movie is similar to that. But it just it seemed it's a very in my personal moment. opinion the telekinesis angle seemed very out of place in this movie. Yeah. It it's very weird. It seemed really out of place. It seemed like it belonged in a different movie altogether. And the Akira kid was so creepy. I wouldn't. That mind. kid was a damn good act. I mean, yeah, he was I, really good. I was watching him. I was like, this kid's amazing. He's yep. really good. He but was it, really funny and like really adorable and alternating, too. terrifying. Yeah. And I, Akira and I, kid is perfect description. <laughs> yep. I liked. I liked the. I liked the idea towards the end that, that, all of the actions. It's kind of got a Twelve Monkeys type feel. The movie borrowed a lot from a lot of movies. It did. That it needs did. to be acknowledged. Um and but but I, I think that 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 the idea of everything that 
old Joe was doing was leading right down that path that he was trying to prevent. And there was this constant loop. And I thought it was funny. I think it was Nick you mentioned earlier. I felt like I was a dog chasing my own tail. Yeah. Well, all these characters are dogs chasing their own tails the whole time. And in, in reality, what, what young Joe has to do is close the ultimate loop. Like, yeah. close that that cyclical, everything's happening the, the way self, it should be. self-fulfilling prophecy. Exactly, because the second he he offs himself, everything changes. That was a very cool moment. Everything changes. Yeah. And I think I thought that was really interesting. Um, but did it? I mean, we think it does, but it, we think it that's does. that's one of the that's ambiguous is because maybe like some maybe Emily Blunt walks down a street and gets hit by a semi. At we some don't point, know. Maybe we time corrects. The rainmaker. Maybe time well, the thing corrects that, itself. The thing that w- had me when I when I mentioned, uh, and I'm glad you you said that because it brought me back to what I wanted to say with chasing my ta- my own tail and thought is that I was thinking, okay, we see the movie, we see the moment where Joe confronts old Joe where he gets sent back and he obviously doesn't shoot him and old Joe knocks him out and then we get treated to that montage of what would what what it, it it's a montage that does two things it tells you what would have happened if he had shot him but it also tells you what did, what did happen. happen to old Joe right and so now we're at this weird we're at this weird moment where old Joe was once young Joe and he shot old Joe mm-hmm. when old Joe came back and then he proceeded to grow up and get old and bitter and then meet this, this Chinese lady and marry her. Well, and I thought it was interesting, too, in that montage. And you can tell he, I mean, he pisses away all that money in, like, Real quickly. less than 10 years. Yeah. Absolutely pisses it away. And I thought that was, I don't know, I, I liked it because it was, like, this mini, like, rise and fall story. Yeah. And, like, yeah. you know, and then he starts and working for the, for like the triad. triad. I should, I should <laughs> say, I should say this is the, that's the montage I was referring to earlier in the review. Mm-hmm. I just... For some reason, my mind never even went there when I thought of the concept of this movie and the fact that we could explore that 30 years to to get Joseph Gordon-Levitt to Bruce Willis was pretty cool. It was very interesting. To but me. I, I was I was really worried there for a second. I'll admit because the second that Levitt falls off the balcony and it switches, I'm like, is this going to be like some stupid run, little run thing where it, it's like yeah. 18 versions of what could happen? Because yeah. I'm not going to like that at yeah. all. But anyway, continue. You get like two seconds of that. So we have we have Joe who shot. Old Joe closed his loop, got his money, partied it away, mm-hmm. got married, got old, and then got sent back to have his loop closed. But instead of being shot, he escaped with the goal of taking down the Rainmaker, who wouldn't exist if Old Joe didn't come back in the first place. It's a, it's. Well, this it's, is this is one of the things about time travel that makes me say we are never going to be able to time travel, because there is any little—it's the butterfly effect. There's any little moment in my life from here on out that could change and radiate into a million different directions. Right. Absolutely. The thing that the movie doesn't talk about that would clear up that point is whether or not we are living in a Back to the Future style timeline, mm-hmm. or or we're living in a uh, in a source code. No, no, no. Those are the same. Okay. Uh, if we're living, what what I mean when I'm saying that is that or Doc explains. Monkeys. I maybe, Doc explains that as soon as Marty went back in time to 1955, he created a new timeline, or in source code, spoiler yeah. alert, new timelines. Sure. Um, if we're living in that kind of world, then that all makes sense very easily. If we're living in the different kind of world where there's only one timeline and you're traveling back to it and things change. 
which is kind of suggested by the fact that Bruce Willis's memories get fuzzy when he comes back. Well, because the new the, the new memories that Young Joe has are erasing the memories. Exactly. So there's in this so, there's only one timeline in this in this. I think that there's universe. supposed to be only one, but it doesn't make a lot of sense considering that Joe would have to kill himself in order to come back, but if he comes back, it negates, and then doesn't get killed, it kind of negates that whole idea that he killed himself, so... And this, I remember my friends, they, is what a time paradox is. Yeah, it gets totally. very strange, and time travel is, is very cool in theory, but oftentimes execution is awful. I mean, I'm a Execution, storytelling-wise, is impossible, because we don't understand time travel. There's That's why it's not well, happening. Well, I think if you set up... I think it's kind of the responsibility of, of the filmmaker to either... To, to, to stick set up to, the rules, yeah, and, and that's say, something that he rules. that he skirts, and that's why bit, I yeah. like like time crimes is like the one timeline yep. idea, very cool, and like that's that's kind of my favorite, like Twelve Monkeys, where it's one timeline. I think that's that's the cooler and frankly more challenging to write about Absolutely. because if you're gonna have a character jump back to this timeline and be and inhabit it while himself in is inhabiting it is just blows my mind with how awesome the possibilities are and like lost uh does a good job lost season five yeah which is like widely regarded as one of the least popular seasons and it's totally like my favorite because <laughs> it's just so time travel heavy and there yeah, are so many moments where i'm watching it going oh no way and yeah just like the coolest stuff when happens. things tie back into season one like yes. years later yeah it's cool it's so one, cool one thing that i find interesting is that i mean this this is a very for me like with smart sci-fi, I like smart sci-fi because it's thought-provoking. Yeah, it entertains me, and I like the aesthetics of sci-fi as a genre. Mm-hmm. But I can still find it thought-provoking and and take bigger things from it. That being said, I didn't see any major themes in this movie per se. Um, but I did, I did think it was thought-provoking in the sense of of the idea of time and the little things that you can do. That butterfly effect thing. Like, who's to say that if we left this house five minutes earlier than we're actually going to leave that we wouldn't get hit by a car or driving yeah. home. Yeah. It's like, well, and yeah. well, I think that's but, a pretty common thing everyone experiences because they do stupid things throughout their life and they think, oh, if I'd only done this instead yeah. of that, then it's interesting. See, and one of the bigger, th- it's kind of a theme, but not really, that I didn't think about while even viewing the movie and makes me really want to go back and see it again is what we were talking about. This is one of the few movies where the character meets themselves, and they kind of explore the changes that that makes. They address it. They talk about yeah, it. Yeah, like that's like one of the main focuses of the movie is these two people meet, and it affects things in very different and strange ways that you've never even seen mm-hmm. in any sort of time travel movie. Yeah. So I mean, I, that's I, that's thought provoking in, in itself, and it's certainly I mean it's interesting to think about you know. Bruce Willis knows what Joseph Gordon-Levitt's going to do after he does it, and he can like figure out where he was to get back. And that's uh, that's very interesting to me, and something mm-hmm. that hasn't been explored in time travel. Yeah, it, but, it, it was. I think that there's some really cool concepts. I in think the, movie. the uh, Bruce Bruce Willis basically becoming a monster in order to try to spare, which is interesting because he was he was pissing all over Joseph Gordon-Levitt saying you're so selfish you're so whatever and, like, and he's very he selfish himself. shoots a kid in the face and then he's out I think he kills two of them doesn't yeah, he? he does. Yeah. and then he goes to kill a third kid just to spare himself and I'm like not even knowing which kid is the right, right one to kill I mean that was cool as hell not even I knowing thought. that it's gonna work and intense but mm-hmm. total like reminded me so much of Terminator because it's exactly what it was where he just goes around killing Sarah Connors just mm-hmm. doesn't even know which one is which he just goes around yeah. and kills them and um I mean I was like I did not expect them to make Bruce Willis like 
as evil as he basically is in this movie, and I think that was kind of But he is cool. sympathetic, too. Because the one thing that brought his life any sort of actual meaning and joy is about to be... Like, can you imagine having your significant other, the mem- all, like, can you imagine waking up one morning and not remembering, like, how you met? Yeah. No, that it'd be, was cool. It'd be terrifying. Yeah. Like, you'd start freaking out, like, I have to do something to stop this because I'm losing. That's... It was cool. I mean, it was an extreme reaction. Well, sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'm not... Well, I mean, extreme reaction for the fact but that... But I think... I think it... It was also the interesting idea of, you know, someone, one of my friends mentioned this after we saw it on Friday, was uh, if you could go back in time and kill Hitler as a kid, would you do it, even like as a kid? Yeah. And it reminded me of how I read uh, uh, Uncanny X-Force. X-Force, yeah. yeah. And I was like, this totally borrowed something from X-Force, because uh, they find Apocalypse, Apocalypse is reincarnated as a little kid. Okay. It's totally like, they, they all go on a mission to kill him, the X-Force, and they get there. And he's a child, and he doesn't understand that he's being held captive by a cult, and that he's being brainwashed to, to become, become this, this evil thing. leader. He's just a kid, and they're yeah. all, and even like Archangel is like, "This is a kid." He's like, "We can't kill him," and they're like, "And they're like, we can, you know." One of the characters the is pleading with him. The end. Or the she's end justifies like, the means. She's like, "She's like, we can take him. We can raise him. Rehabilitate. Yeah. We can raise him amongst mutants to be a good guy, just like in Looper. When she's like, if I raise him for good, yeah." And then one of the X-Men is just like, shoots him right, right right, between the eyes. He's like, nope. And it was really like, as I was reading it, I was like, holy crap. They actually... And I don't see why Bruce Willis didn't consider that... It, well, I guess he didn't even know which kid it was, but... I don't know. I feel like... Well, he knew as soon as Joe witnessed him blow Garrett Dillahunt to a million pieces, uh, he was like, now he knows which kid it is. Yeah. And, uh... But I mean, and it's even like... It's just one of those things... I don't think you could kill that kid. <laughs> the scene between Garrett Dillahunt and Emily Blunt, by the way, real quick, was pretty tense. It yeah. was. It was very and cool. I was glad to see him when he showed up in the movie. I was like, yes. Yeah. I want to know more about his his character. Uh, yeah, apparently he's the best uh, The best shot. I was like, that's pretty sweet. The best looper. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Well, he was a... What was he? Uh, he a, was a gat. A gat man? Yeah, yeah, one of the gats. So, yeah, Jeff no. Bridges was awesome, too, by the way. Or Jeff... <laughs> Jeff, Jeff Bridges. Daniels. <laughs> Jeff Daniels Jeff as Bridges Jeff Bridges. is awesome, yeah. but... But okay. if it had been him, see, I, I almost, this is another thing too, I like Bruce Willis a lot, but I'm kind of, when he shows up in things, I'm always kind of like, eh. I think he really actually gave he, a crap, though, in he this was, Yeah, he was good in this movie. I just was wondering what it would have been like with a different actor, someone who's yeah. less, because as soon as, as soon as the scene happened where Bruce Willis went to shoot up the whole place and he had, I was like, you can't have a Bruce Willis movie without him getting a hold of a submachine gun <laughs> and shooting like 30 people. <laughs> At that yeah. point, I was just laughing, and I wasn't even taking the movie seriously, even though it's supposed to be this heavy moment. Because I'm like, Bruce Willis is so good at being like a stone-cold like badass that... I'm like, if you cast somebody like Jeff Bridges in that role, and he had an SMG, he would look so much more like a man just pushed to desperation. Yeah. Not like but I guess if hero. he was supposed to have been an assassin for the last like forty years, he should look kind of like kind of a hard ass. Yeah. I was just wondering what what if like Jeff Daniels had been playing like old Joe or something like that? How much more shocking and and interesting it would have been to see yeah an actor like that being pushed to, to extreme like if it was violence. liam neeson pre-taken or something exactly. like that yeah good example yeah or like i don't know seeing somebody stretch their range yeah like it's like i'm telling you as soon as i saw him grab that machine gun and just like yeah. the squinty eyes and the eyebrows <laughs> up and the slightly cocky like you thought you walked into expendables yeah or, or gi joe yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the new gi joe it's like same thing so um but he he did he was really good in a lot of the a lot of the scenes. What's uh, 
I don't know if you have any more thoughts on it. I, yeah, I mean, I think we can ma- basically wrap it up. But okay, I, letter, I mean, letter grade or number grade? We could talk about the movie for a long time. Yeah, we could talk a lot more. But, I mean, I think the only other thing... What, what was I... What was I... Oh, one of the biggest things... One of the biggest kind of plot holes, but kind of not, because you don't really know. In killing all of those people, doesn't Bruce Willis completely destroy the whole Looper Foundation anyway? Yeah, I mean, because they're going to start sending people back, and they're just going to be sitting in a cornfield. They're not going to yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. Because Jeff I'm, Bridges or Jeff Jeff Daniels Jeff has Daniels no way can't of deliver the time to the loopers. And I mean, yeah. But anyway, so that's just no. It's it's it's. But Jeff Daniels is from the future too, which is even weirder. Exactly. He mentioned. I don't know. He had that it's, great that great line where someone says something, and he goes, "Oh yeah, because." Uh, Gordon Levin says I'm going to France he said go to China and he yeah. goes I'm going to France I'm from the future go, <laughs> go to China, to China. <laughs> and he goes I'm going see, to France see and I suppose that's another interesting thing is like what did they have to tell to Jeff Daniels how does Jeff Daniels have to live his life in order to make sure that he doesn't propagate change by coming back exactly I think how, how does he even know when people are showing up does he get a message from exactly the that's the interesting thing to me like that's one of my favorite things about this movie is that there's so many interesting little facets that I can sit here and think about like I would love if there was some sort of lo- if Ryan Johnson was like here's the Looper Bible that I tried to keep myself to or here's another movie in the Looper universe yeah I'd be down to see more I think I think the movie got I'm not saying it's a bad thing to get really personal, but it became such a such an intimate story yeah. between Joe and and Smoke and Babe Emily Blunt and Dude, I know that scene where she clicks the frog. I was like, yeah, <laughs> clicks the frog, clicks the frog. <laughs> clicking the frog. The best, uh, the best euphemism. Yeah, that was that's on my that poster. Was very funny. <laughs> Click the frog. No, uh, I mean I've always had a crush on her. When I saw her in this movie, I was like, she looks good. Yeah. And. Uh, yeah, she was she was good in the movie actually. Her American her lack of English accent was pretty impressive. Yeah. But um yeah, there were I, I think a movie taking place in the same universe I, I would totally welcome as long as it stayed more a little a little colder, a little less personal, a little less emo- emotional. It'd be interesting to really dive hard into the time travel mechanics and yeah. uh, the business behind the killing and stuff like that. Right. Really the cool. whole the whole idea of like, the nightlife. If we if we that. if we got that movie that was set in twenty seventy four or whatever it would be. Or even just like young Jeff Daniels being sent back yeah. to start the loopers would be cool. That'd be very interesting. I, I, I wouldn't mind seeing another entry into the universe as long as it was less about uh, less of a personal story. I just want more good time travel fiction, that's all I'll say. Letter grade, Alex. Letter grade. Or I, number grade, whatever I, you want to do. I would give it a... I'm doing numbers. I'd give it an A-. minus. I would give it... probably If I'm throwing out my, my born grades, which I should at this point, and I don't know why I'm thinking about them, but I am, I would give Looper probably an 8.5, because I enjoyed the movie a lot. 8.5 out of 10? 8.5 out of 10. Okay. That's where I would put it. Um, Nick? I'd say 7. Mm, like I don't know because it's fun it's really fun to talk about it and it makes me think back on it more fondly like yeah. my, my gut reaction when I left the theater was like 6 out of 10 yeah and the more I thought about it it kind of worked its way up so I'd, I'd say like 7 7 and a half it, with room with room to go up upon a se- I really have I meant to see it a second time this weekend so that I could come in with a totally good uh, well-rounded yeah. review but um, I do want to we'll go again at some in point the future. Willie seven. in the future Willie I, feel, I feel good about a seven. Yeah. Okay. I was so, excited. I thought you. I thought Nick was gonna like 
Like, after seeing your status, I thought you were going to, like, hate this movie and want to, like, come in here and just crap all over it, and I was going to love it and try <laughs> to defend it. And I didn't know where we would end up. No, I didn't. Sorry, but... listeners, the battle, the inevitable battle is going to have to <laughs> wait. We're putting it off once more. Yeah, yeah the... Uh... I, I, I wanted to absolutely love every second of it, and I just yeah. didn't. I wanted to give it like a nine. I understand your disappointment, but... You it know. just was, you know, it, it was it was good. It definitely was intriguing. It had a lot of cool stuff behind it. I think everyone should probably check it out yeah. that is even remotely interested in time travel and sci-fi. Yeah, yeah absolutely. But, uh, oh, we, <laughs> we didn't talk about the one shot that really bothered me. Which shot? It's impossible to really... It's just, I think it was right after... It's his his face when he's waiting for Bruce Willis to show up. Yeah. There was like this one shot just like kind of straight on of his face but a slight angle and it was like this zoom out and he's standing there with the gun. I think it was when when 11:30 hit and he's waiting and there was a shot of his face and it just makeup looked so bad. I was like, Whoa. <laughs> It really didn't bother me. In but... broad daylight it looked really his face looked really pale cuz they were like trying to smooth out like all the prosthetics, yeah. I think. Like in low light like or all the club stuff, it looked awesome. Yeah. But yeah, we didn't even the the whole setting him up to you know rescue the hooker with the heart of gold and her kid, totally just yeah they kind of, they throw that under the rug and then they the kind rug. of play it off to the fact that that's one of the kids that Joe comes back to kill, which yeah, it's kind of it's once again it's kind of like the telekinesis thing. It's like here let's set this up. Oh, it doesn't matter it's for the middle little. third of the movie and then you know yeah, yeah I guess yeah. anyway. All right, so we're gonna take another quick little break and then we will come back for some food for thought. All right, we're back. Uh, time for some food for thought provided by Willie, and it could be provided by you if you email us feedback at midwestfilmnerds.com. What do you got, Willie? All right, Looper is a movie that tries to mess with your head a lot. What messes with your head better than a twist? Tell me your favorite twist and your least favorite twist. Oh, man. I didn't even think about that yet. Yeah. Least favorite. Um, I got to think of really unnecessary twists. Yes. I'm sure, usually t- I'm those, sure I've seen tons. Usually yeah. those are the worst. Um, Which I feel like there was probably a wash of unnecessary twists after The Sixth Sense. There were. I, I can't remember any of them because they were so unmemorable. But. We should probably acknowledge The Sixth Sense as the movie that really brought back the twist. Oh, yeah. It did. Or popularized it. It really did. Anyway. It really did. And, and M. Night Shyamalan did in general. There's a lot of good twists in his yeah. movies. Yeah. There's um, a bad twist, too. Yeah, a couple, a couple I know that I, I always <coughs> enjoyed were um, The End of Seven. Yeah. Awesome. I'm not going to, like... Yeah, we're not going to delve into it. Go just into to, grave detail, but there's yeah. some stuff that happens towards the end of Seven that's mind-blowing. If you haven't seen it, the whole movie's super awesome, so oh, definitely yeah. see it. Um, another one that I always enjoyed was um, the twist at the end. Well, I'm sorry, it's actually it's not really a twist. A little backstory here. Friday the 13th. Yep. The original. Um, totally. When you grow up, when you hear Friday the 13th, you think Jason as a kid, because Jason has become synonymous with horror movies and that series and pop culture in general, right? Yeah. So I'd never seen the movie, but I knew who Jason was, and I knew he was associated with that. And I remember my dad uh, took me to buy a couple of VHS tapes um, randomly one day. He's like, hey, let's go buy a couple of movies. We'll watch them tonight. I'm like, all right. So go to Suncoast Video, and I picked out Friday the 13th. <laughs> all right, Suncoast, that's a throwback. Um, pick out Friday the 13th. And I'm like, hey, Dad, this is the one with Jason, right? And he goes, 
goes, no. He's like, Jason's not the killer. He's not the killer in that. I'm like, what? No, you're, I thought he was messing with me. I was wrong. So <laughs> it wasn't really, it's not really a twist per se, um, but it... It is, though. It is. Like, it's not, it wasn't originally a twist, but now it is. Now it is, because yeah. you, ex- yeah, it, it threw me off as a I kid. don't even know what you're talking about, because okay. I've never seen the movie, but... Let's just say I that mean, Jason... you know how it is, though, like, when you think Friday the 13th, you think Jason, yeah. Jason's the killer, but in the first Friday the 13th, Jason, Jason is, not is not the, the killer. killer. He's not even really? a character. Interesting. Not, no. He's not even in the movie. No. Wow. I mean, he's mentioned. Yeah. But... No. It's, See? And like, in, if we hadn't said that just now and ruined it for it you, been, you would have been it, like, holy crap. It yeah. throws you off. Um, so that was that was kind of a cool one um, okay. as a kid. It's like so. a generational twist almost. Yeah, yeah it is. Um, it's neat. Favorites, Alex? Uh, favorites for me, you know, one of the ones that I loved a lot in the past few years, and it's not too much of a spoiler to say it, would be the prestige. Mm. You're kind of expecting it from that first, like, Michael Caine, you know, the, yeah, they lay out the rules of the movie. Yeah, he's yeah. So it, the prestige was awesome. Um, Delete from <clears throat> list. Prestige. I'm trying to think. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Uh, I mean, one of my favorite movies is Fight Club, and the thing is, it's 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 a good twist. It certainly was at the time, but on the flip coin of your question, some of the twists that have been completely needless and stupid are two movies that I brought up last week, which would be Hide and Seek and Secret Window, which are just clones of the same twist. Sure. And it's just kind of like, this has already been told before. Why would you... Secret Window was so it worth it, though, for that final shot of that movie. Seriously, yeah. that's... I've seen that movie once. No, twice. And the last time I watched it was probably like 2001. And the two scenes you remember are the last shot and the Doritos bag. Yeah. Good and bad. And they both revolve around food, because the last shot is the corn. Yep. But yeah. it's so good. It's so perfect. And, like, Twilight zone Yeah, I guess. But, I mean, it's still just I'm not saying like... the twist is good, but the that that final shot is... Okay. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Yeah. It's so funny. And just yeah. totally gives you the willies. Yeah. The willies. Yeah, oh. and there's a willy over there. Okay, so... Um, it gives you the me's. But, yeah, what, what about you, Nick? Uh... I think my personal all-time favorite, like, serious twist in movie is probably from Memento, being oh, yeah. that it is potentially my all-time favorite movie, kind of is. Um, Memento is huge. Yeah. The twist at the end is cool because it's not a twist, but it is based purely on the narrative structure of the movie. Yeah, yep. Uh, some other honorable mentions, I have to say Usual Suspects, of course. Anyone who's seen it knows there's a hell of a twist, which I don't want to talk anymore about it because it's that good. Unbreakable. Huge twist. I wouldn't remember that if it wasn't for Willie. I need to rewatch Unbreakable. Yes, Fantastic you do. movie. Everyone needs to watch I'm Unbreakable. I'm not Shyamalan's best, yeah, in my opinion. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, Science is like my favorite, but I think Unbreakable is his best. Yeah. Uh, 12 Monkeys, great twist. Mm-hmm. Also a time travel movie. Uh, I think we have to pay homage to Star Wars Empire Strikes Back. Absolutely. And the, the granddaddy of all twists. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. The girls, but, it's fantastic. But yeah, Empire, we take it so for granted because it's such a common line, but yeah. people back then... It was a mind blower. Yeah, no one even knew that that was like the no. line was changed on set. Yeah, the only person who knew was George Lucas. That's so sweet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Ace Ventura, good twist. Finkel is Einhorn. <laughs> Einhorn is Finkel. Yep. And uh, least favorite twist. I'm just gonna go based off uh, recent memory. President Wesker. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> is that even a twist? <laughs> I think it was because I didn't see it coming. Not good. Uh. Oh crap! There's another one I, I had thought of, and I didn't didn't jot it down on my list of least favorite twists. Ah, uh, crap! 
Oh well, it must <laughs> it must not be. I mean, I'm sure that there's piles of R3s that I watched back in the day with dumb twists yeah. that I was like. Whoa. I'm just gonna say I've seen it. I don't remember it all, but The Vanishing on Seventh Street probably had a horrible twist in it. <laughs> Horror movies tend to kind of just try to inject them by, by default now. Just a yeah. guess. Um, the the M Night Shyamalan thing kind of swings both ways though for me personally because The Village I didn't I never saw buy that village. twist. I liked it. I mean, I I thought it was cool in, in it was concept. Weird. It, it just, was it, it was like it was like a lot of things in Looper where the concept is sweet, but the execution kind of made me go kind of stinks. It's not um, terrible, yeah. but it's not the best. And then of course the happening, which <laughs> isn't a really a, in the happening? it's not even really a twist. It's just not. It's like revealed halfway through the movie, but it's really stupid. I have such fundamental beef with um, the happening. We can't even get into it now. Yeah, no, that's not a good idea. But a couple other little honorable mentions as far as good ones. The first scream. I mean, all the scream yeah. twists are really good. Yeah. That first one is like, oh my god. Yeah. See, oh my I've still god. never seen a single scream movie all the way through, so I don't. I literally, I am the one person left in North America who probably after, is fresh. After me, I was completely fresh when we rewatched them before the fourth and, one came out. And. I remember when the fourth one was coming out, and we, you and I were talking about screen movies in general. You're like, "Isn't Jamie Kennedy the killer or something like that?" I'm like, "Nope, nope, <laughs> nope." Uh, I thought he was. <laughs> nope. Um, no, that's a good one too. Yeah. Bad ones. Um, usually the bad ones, are the ones that are so out of left field that you're just like, "Huh? How is and what's that?" What's the point? You know what I mean? Oh, oh. You got a good one? Oh. Okay. Prometheus. Prometheus. A bad twist. Yeah. Which? You don't even think of it as a twist because it was so throwaway and didn't matter. Oh, what the yeah. final no, shot? no, no. The the reveal of the relationship between Charlize Theron and a certain other character. Oh, yeah. It, it's so useless. Yeah, that was. See, it was so Ooh, useless yeah. that you forgot about That's it. That's a yeah. really. See, and I don't even mind bad <clears throat> twists good, and bad good, movies bad one. because yeah. who cares? Because you don't care about the movie anyway. Yeah, like you just forget about them. That that was really bad. Yeah. Yeah. That was so completely useless. Well done. Like, well done. I don't know how that came to me, but it just did. Well done. Well played. Uh, that and uh, yeah. another horror movie one real quick, since for some reason my mind is on horror movies. <laughs> it is Rocktober. It, um, it. The end of It. And I'm going to spoil this one because it's so stupid it has to be said out loud. <laughs> the creepy, terrifying, horrifying, like, kept me awake at night clown played by Tim by Tim Curry, like, so incredibly. My mom couldn't get me unscared of, of him in that movie until she showed me Rocky Horror Picture Show and goes, that's the clown. And I was like, oh, okay, that's not so bad, you know? She's home alone, too. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Um, that, that's a testament to my mom. She showed me Rocky Horror instead of Home Alone. He's <laughs> <laughs> so good at home. That's a testament to me and Tony. <laughs> there you go. Um, but no, and then you're like, okay, the kids are finally going to fight back at the clown. They're all grown up now, and they're going to go back and get him. And then he's a giant spider crab thing. That's stupid. Like that, they, that. Have you read the book? Yeah, it's like the same thing, basically. It's still as stupid. <laughs> I love Stephen King, but it's still dumb. I think it makes sense. I mean, I didn't expect him to go to like a like a. I didn't expect him to have like a boxing match with a clown or something. But like, <laughs> I think it would have been a lot dumber if they fought a clown. <laughs> sure, sure. But 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 for some reason, the the giant spider is so less terrifying than everything that's been set up before. I think the clown was aimed at. It was a clown to the kids because kids are scared of or can be scared of clowns. I think sure. it was it was appealed to them as they were kids. Sure. I don't but know. Whatever. That movie freaks me out, man, still. Oh, yeah. Creepy. The fact that they're remaking that kind of upsets me because what's the point? Yeah. Haven't they been re- remaking that for like the last yeah, yeah. miniseries? Yeah. We shall see. Only uh, other thing when that you I... said that, I thought of uh, 
Smoke and Aces has a cool twist at the end. We're getting like the second second string of good twists now. <laughs> well, that's a that's a good twist though. The other thing that I it wanted is... to bring up is like you you said beforehand like you like the twists where you experience the twist with the characters. Yeah, I think there's what like about... two, there's ones where you the audience and the character experience twist, and there's some where just the character experiences it, like the audience knows, or ones where just the audience experiences it. What about ones with just the character? Like I was thinking Truman Show, which I haven't seen in a long time yeah. and I want to watch, but it's good. That's it's a good. good and example. you don't think about those as that's twists. That's a great movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. You really don't because you're always going to think about yourself yeah. first. Yep. I so. think although a certain amount of it depends on a certain extent to the awareness of the viewer because some people figure out certain twists ahead of characters and mm-hmm. my mom called the sixth sense in the first scene really? she leaned over wow. to john they went and saw it together and she was like bruce willis is dead and it ruined the movie for john yeah i'd be completely pissed. ruined That's the movie. my dad was when we were kids he would try he would vocally try to guess he would like shout things at the screen that he thought my mom wasn't even trying. It just like hit her like a mind bullet, yeah. and I hate that. It's so obnoxious. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell me if I haven't figured it out. There was one where, for some reason, oh, it was recently too. It was something that a lot of people had figured out or they saw coming, and I I was just along for the ride. I wasn't even. I was just watching the movie, and I it didn't even occur to me until I watched it unfold organically. And everybody else was like. Pfft. I saw that coming. I'm like, well, that sucks because I enjoyed it. Yeah, there and were a few. There was something like movie? that recently that I want that I feel like was there, but I don't remember what it would be. Hmm. Interesting. Was it something we reviewed? Well, Ink has a good twist. Yeah, I think it has a good yeah, twist. Yeah, it does. Some people what think does? Yeah, see, the Ink. movie Ink? Okay, I haven't seen that. Yeah, Sorry, I really personally like, but I think a, a lot of people. If someone said they hated it, I would be like, that's fine. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't be able to argue because it's it's low budget. It's it's not the best made movie, but I really like it. Um, Interesting. Man, yeah. Twists are one of those awesome... They can be so good. Like, like even if you go back as far as, like, Citizen Kane mm-hmm. and, like, the the whole Rosebud thing. Yeah. A cool twist. Or, like, I remember the movie The Bicycle Thieves was cool because a lot of people call it The Bicycle Thief, which is fine. Have, you, have either of you guys ever seen it? Mm-hmm. No, we watched a scene of it. And it's sure so it good. Funny. It's like a, it's a really, really good. Like it still stands stands up today. It's just you can like I was saying about uh, Bride of Frankenstein earlier. It's like an old movie that still you can just sit down yeah. and watch today, and it's still relevant. You still sure. like it. But do you guys want? Well, I guess I don't want to ruin it because it is. Yeah, it is I might good. actually want to watch it. So, but it's 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 important to get that translation right. That it's not the bicycle thief. It's the bicycle thieves. Okay, and, like, that plays into the plot. And uh, there's a kind of a good twist at the end there. It's not like this huge oh, twist, but it's it's neat. That makes you go, huh? And, okay, uh, it's really good. Another one I movie, I want to mention real quick: Psycho. Yeah, I guess we can't forget about that. Psycho, That's kind I've of never, the granddaddy. I've never watched the, Psycho. I mean, know the but twist? there's two. There's, I kind of do, there's, but there's, I don't. I don't know. I don't even want to try to confirm it because if I don't, then I would. That's like there's, there's that's two the, twists. That's though. the true granddaddy there's of all The first twists. one everybody thinks about the narr the, the twist in the narrative, right. where you discover the truth of what's going on behind the scenes, but then there's also the twist of right a certain person they cast in the movie, right? You know, which is fantastic. And yeah, they kind of, of time. they kind of copied that with Scream with yeah. some of what they did with Scream. Psycho was so. badass too because the 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 twists that it took were so ahead of their time. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. like unprecedented that they had like big signs of like Alfred Hitchcock outside the theater that said like yeah there will be no entry once the movie starts and no one can leave and please do your friends a favor and like don't talk about the movie let them experience it or themselves because before that it was basically just like you'd show up to the movie theater and sit down and watch newsreels and a movie whatever and like a few movies yep but that was one of the first movies where it was like these are the strict show times of this movie starting mm-hmm. and you know that was it god man to be alive back then yeah so cool to experience movies just evolving like that yeah. oh it was so cool it's like uh we're really going off on a tangent here i remember reading some of the interview with uh francois Truffaut back in the day in like the early 60s and they talked about um did you almost fall well he almost fell but it's good <laughs> oh near accident he borrowed cat balance from cat <laughs> um francois Truffaut was talking about how Back then, especially in the early days of cinema, a movie would play at a movie theater, and then it, when it was gone, it was gone forever. Yeah. And that was it. And he talked about... No how, home video. Yeah, and that was it. Like, you you didn't... And it's something that I, I would wager most people, it does not even cross their mind today. No. That when Mm-mm. movies left the theater, you, you would never see it again, because they never replayed movies or anything. But uh, I think it was around that time in the early 60s where... Um, late 50s early 60s when they were just a bunch of film brats and they would scrape together their money they would spend all day just watching movies and they would go but they would take like trains i mean this is in france they would take trains like across to like other parts of france or or to a different country entirely in europe to catch a movie that was playing at a different city that they hadn't seen or that they had seen and it was only re-showing at this one theater in like wherever and they would take like trains like several hours to see it and then take the train back and the whole time talk about the movie and just smoke cigarettes and just absorb it and it sounds so cool to just have totally different time have that experience be such a unique moment where you have to pay attention to that movie and you have to absorb every every frame because you'll never see it again sounds i mean so the, 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 the finality of that is so uh it's cool yeah it's depressing but it's also really kind of awesome same time you know i just realized we just completely ran out of time for kyle xy again yeah we did uh, you know we even, bro- I even brought it up in the beginning and we still couldn't get around to it sorry tim oh man one day one day we'll do a round table and invite tim even if he hasn't watched any of it and he just wants to hear about it he'll just be there to be like uh-huh yeah and what else <laughs> that'll be good um so, link to our Twitter accounts on the blog post for this podcast. I also normally have the the time for each episode. I write out what the like what we start talking about when time time code wise. So, if anybody would find that useful, go to midwestfilmnerds.com. Uh, music and art was made first by my brother at Mr. John on Twitter, and then as I said, questions, comments, uh, food for thought questions. Concerns? Be, or concerns can be sent to feedback at midwestfilmnerds.com. And uh, stick around at the end of our outro music here. I'm going to have a little blooper here that won't make any sense out of context because I deleted the other part. But <laughs> Already? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Should we explain the blooper? Basically, we just started to try off the segment and start out the segment. And Willie. Can't talk. Basically. Yeah, Willie can't talk. And he was like. Uh, the thing about Looper is that that 
<laughs> he said that that and yeah. for some reason we all thought it was really funny and I was basically just like okay we'll record it again and then we tried it again and then that's what the blooper is so we just explained why the blooper's funny and it's no longer funny it, no, but not at all <laughs> but if you time travel back around to yeah if we put a disclaimer ahead of that saying don't listen to the disclaimer we just laid out this joke at the end will be funny but then people won't get it and they'll have to go back and listen to the explanation anyway that's true but who was Bruce Willis but who was Looper <laughs> Anyway, go watch a movie. It can be Looper this time. Just make sure it's not Resident Evil, as I said. Mm-mm. Back in that roundtable episode. Alright, see you later. food for thought from willie and you could be the one that provides the food for thought question if you email us feedback at midwestfilmnerds.com what do you got willie all righty um there's a lot of twists and two turns in looper and um <laughs> i'd like to <laughs> <laughs> what happened that time <laughs> i just thought we were just hearing it, it. <laughs> <laughs> dude just go with it